0: You hear that sound. That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen.
1: And I'm Morgan Thrapp and uh Michael, this is this is a very special episode, I would say for two reasons. One (laughs) We have a returning guest, uh, which is always great. And two, said returning guest um, and her family have now officially uh, recorded more episodes with us than all of our other guests combined.
0: <laughs> oh, technically, yeah, I guess so.
1: <laughs> I, I did the count. And uh, Jamie, you and your family counting this episode have now recorded five episodes of our podcast compared to four other guests that we've had on. Wow. So uh, welcome back to the podcast, Jamie. Oh, thank you.
2: This is exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean we're gonna have some other ones too. So don't worry. Don't don't let it
2: get to your head. <laughs> the dynasty going on
0: here. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you could have your own version of Duck Dynasty, what would be your prefix before dynasty?
2: Oh wow. Um
0: Probably just Cat Dynasty, honestly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'd watch that show. It'd be a great show. I don't know if it'd be as good as Baywatch, though. That's true. Mm. That's true. Yeah, because this week is Baywatch Season 2, Episode 13, War of Nerves. We've been hyping up this episode since Season 1. I mean, since Season 1. Well, since Season 2. This is our show. Uh, Um, Shark Derby of season two, I guess, one where we just hyped it up. It's like the one where we're like, oh, my God, this is the one we're looking forward to. Uh, And I think this turned out very different from Shark Derby. At least I think so. Uh, Well, let's talk a little bit about the episode. So it was written by Deborah Bonin Schwartz and Douglas Schwartz, the power couple directed by Douglas Schwartz. And it was aired February 3rd, 1992. So before we actually go over guest stars, I'd like to reiterate how little information there is about this show on the Internet, because the IMDb goof sections have things like Kay puts the cheese cubes on the plate of apples twice. And we're like, (laughs) wow, wow, what a goof. Uh, Also, it's a
1: real, real cinema (laughs) sin that. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) But this episode has some amazing very well-versed guest actors who have played some fantastic roles in this show and other shows, and let's talk about them. First off, we have mm. Peter Kent, who plays Man. You may (laughs) know him as oddly being in a lot of things with Hulk Hogan, like Mr. Nanny and Thunder in Paradise, or in a lot of things with Arnold Schwarzenegger, like Twins and Last Action Hero, or you may not know him at all. And uh, I don't don't even know which man he is. He's just credited as man. So I think he's the guy who gets his knee injured, I think. But I'm I'm not sure. Uh, Next up, we have Bobby Phillips, who plays Lifeguard. Wow. Such a memorable role. (laughs) You may know her for a recurring role on the show The Cape. Do you remember the show The Cape? No, No. not at all. So there is this superhero show... Uh, In like the mid 2010s with Summer Glau and a superhero and his powers that he has a cape. Okay, it was on the CW, but this is not that (laughs) the cape. Uh, This joke was reliant on you knowing that Uh show, the cape, Uh, because this is not that the cape. This is one from the mid 90s and is about astronaut trainees. Um, But you may also remember her. For a few appearances on the show Two Guys, a Girl and a Pizza Place from the late 90s, <laughs> which starred Ryan Reynolds, Nathan Fillion and Trailer Howard, who was Natalie on Monk, a show I love. Uh, oh, and then it reduced its title to Two Guys and a Girl uh, because I, they got rid of the pizza place after season two. <laughs> You know, just <laughs> classic plot contrivances. Uh, I didn't know you could do that. Just change your show's name mid run. Well, I mean, when you when you sold your pizza place, Morgan, it truly changed your entire being. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. You have some expertise on that. Uh, she was also in three of the chameleon movies. Have you heard of the chameleon movies? no. Okay. Not at all. Great, because my next one of my notes is are you saying you've never heard of the chameleon movies?
2: <laughs>
0: uh, because no one has. In twenty twenty-eight, a super killer female genetic creation with chameleon-like powers discovers maternal instincts when she protects a child from government oh. operatives. Uh, and they kept on making these, and she was in three of them. Huh.
2: Yep. Are chameleons but- the animal known for maternal instincts? <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> no not really.
0: Uh, next up, we have Jill Pierce, who plays Young Woman, uh, another classic role. Uh, she also was the girl flirting with Eddie in Money, Honey, the episode where Mitch goes to Hollywood. Oh. So she's at least recognizable. Uh, next up, we have Kelly Packard, who plays Girl. Wow, these are all just great (laughs) roles. Uh, You may remember her as one of the bratty girls in The Trophy, the episode where Eddie gets accused of statutory rape. That episode we'd like to forget. Uh, Yeah. And she'll play a few more bit roles in the show before becoming a main cast character in five years from this episode. But in this episode, she wears the same outfit that she wore in The Trophy, uh, which is a bikini has some sort of weird pattern on the butt. Uh, and I messaged you, Morgan, about this. I couldn't tell if it was like a mic or if it looked like like a microphone had like, yeah, errantly spewed like it, ink or oil. It just it's a weird it pattern. Really?
1: It really looked like she had been storing a pen in her butt crack and it exploded. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know, just okay.
2: normal things. I was wondering about that. I was like, what is going on with the back of her pants? But yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> okay,
0: I'm glad you noticed this too. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't get the pattern. There's no pattern anywhere else other than on the butt cheek. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Huh. I also was confused by her appearance because I knew that she was in Baywatch later. So I was like, wait, yeah. that, that was it in the, for her? In this
0: show, you, you got to graduate from girl or guy to... <laughs> Named character. (laughs) Uh, And then we also have the return of a character who last appeared or an actor who last appeared the last time Jamie was on this podcast. Buzz Belmondo. Yeah. Oh, the guy who played the weird Brazilian man with the disintegrating uh, bikinis. Yeah, he plays Vito, an Italian man. Uh, Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. So. Perfect, perfect
1: choice here. I got to say, spoilers for the end of this episode. Um, he single-handedly bumped this episode up at least two points, in my
0: opinion. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there was anywhere higher to go at that point. but. Uh, and then lastly, Morgan, I believe you have some information for us, potentially? Yeah, so
1: our antagonist this episode is... Uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tawagawa? I'm sure I'm. Kerry Hiroyuki Tawagawa. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, he actually has been in an incredible amount of stuff, but probably the thing he's most known for is being uh, Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat movies. Um, but he's been in Planet of the Apes. He was a major character in Man in the High Castle, the Lost in Space reboot. Like, this
0: man has had quite a career. And and the one movie I asked you to also reference. Oh, um, I know it was something to do with a tsunami. It was, he plays Johnny Tsunami in Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> yes. A <laughs> Disney Channel movie about a surfer who then... There's also younger Johnny Tsunami. So then elderly Johnny Tsunami goes to Colorado and is like, "Uh, let me snowboard. And like, you don't know how to snowboard, Grandpa. He's like, it's just (laughs) surfing. And so he just immediately knows how to snowboard because he's the best surfer. Uh, And it makes sense that he was in this episode
1: then, because there is a very long montage about surfing in this episode. Yes, there is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think in watching this episode, it was very obvious why he went on to be such a big name, because he's very good in this. Um, He was also in uh, another one of our shows that we like to reference all the time, Thunder in Paradise. He was in two episodes of that. Uh, So we'll look forward to that in 20 years when we get to Thunder in Paradise. As the same (laughs) character. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He has a different name in Thunder in Paradise, but. Are you sure? Because I saw him credited as
0: Mason Sato. Uh,
1: According to IMDb, he's Mason Lee in
0: Thunder in Paradise, but still pretty goddamn close. Sure. We should also add that. So like spoilers for like in 15 years from now, when we finally finish (laughs) the podcast, he's the final villain of this show really this is his only this he only has two appearances in Baywatch this and literally the final Baywatch media uh, which is the Baywatch Hawaiian wedding which is the reunion and Mason Sato gets out of jail and is like I'm gonna get you Mitch and they have to stop him so they bring this guy oh. back from season two in like a movie in 2003 I think it is Uh, It's a very weird choice, but I mean, he's pretty memorable. Yeah, I'll say he's he's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, not to belabor the point any longer, Morgan, we should get into this episode. (laughs) Yes, let's.
1: So we open on Mitch walking down the beach while some soft rock plays. Uh, He sees Hobie running down the beach with the football and. You know what? Honestly, it's kind of a sweet little scene. They play catch on the beach, and it's just very heartwarming and nice.
0: In fact, it's so heartwarming that they gave us an original song right away. Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is uh, called Give Me Something. So I swear to God, this is exactly what it's titled in the credits. Okay, Give me something that lasts. No plural on the last, just Aww. give me something that last uh,
1: uh wow, and I you can really you can really see the amount of effort that goes
0: into most of these original songs oh absolutely. <laughs> I actually love this one um oh i I give it an a minus I think it sounds like an actual indie folk song song that someone who is popular may release um but I have the lyrics here, and Jamie. I would love it if you would read the lyrics for us of this song.
2: It would be my pleasure. <laughs> okay. I thought I saw it in her. Wanted our love to be pure. Put my heart for the course. And now it's filled with remorse. Now it's filled with remorse. <laughs> Give me something that lasts. Mm, plural. Uh, uh, God my pitiful past. Search for miles but found That my love has let me down Everyone wants to find A little peace of mind You can sacrifice a lamb And believe that it's right okay. the pain just keeps you up at night All the pain just keeps you up at night Give me something that lasts Gotta erase my pitiful past Search for miles but found That my love has let me down Give me something that lasts. God, erase my horrible past. (laughs) Search for miles but found that my love.
0: Wait. Yeah, it just ends at that my love. Uh, Now, mind you, the Hmm. part where he says, Wow. Search for miles but found that my love has let me down is exactly when he looks at Hobie running towards him. And it's very weird. Like this whole thing is just the Hobie scene. And it's like, my love has let me down. Like, is your love Hobie? Like, do you hate your son? Like, what is what is happening? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Would you say that the that this song and its framing is more or less uncomfortable uh, than the song that we got a couple episodes ago uh, where the protagonist of the song
0: wanted to fuck their brother? Oh, you mean the last time Jamie was here?
2: Yeah, (laughs) that sounds very familiar. (laughs)
0: That's a very unfortunate statement.
1: Jamie, since you've read both songs, uh, which one did you hate reading more?
2: <laughs> uh, I feel like this one. Uh, yeah, just Hobie. It was like, I don't know. There's something really awkward about this one in that scene. Maybe Hobie is the lamb. You can sacrifice a lamb and believe it.
0: That yeah that or the football is the lamb. Like they thought it was pigskin, skin, but it's actually a lamb skin.
1: Mm. Well, um,
0: look, this is the low point of the episode, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It it gets quite a bit better from here. Uh speaking of, we go to a bunch of kids who are partying on some unstable rocks, and one of them falls and hits his head, but his head is fine, and actually it's his leg that's trapped. Um Despite the fact that he just slammed his head onto a rock. Um, nope. The real problem is that his leg
0: got trapped under the unstable rock that he was standing on. Just a very um, great prop rock as as well. Like it's so oh, clearly yeah. the prop in this scene. It's not even close to the same color as the other rocks.
1: It
2: looked like styrofoam.
1: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. It it looks like an old school like Star Trek Mm -hmm. prop from the original series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But luckily, Mitch and Hobie are out for a drive on the beach and they happen to be driving by just as this happens. And so the partiers yell at Mitch and get him to get out of the truck and then yell at him to hurry up as he runs full sprint towards the trapped partier. Um, And then... Uh, our antagonist, Mason, shows up with a dopest shit outfit yeah. to
0: just kind of watch. Yeah. <laughs> Could you describe this outfit for me? Yeah.
1: So it's it's like a black button down shirt with the collar popped, and some like Blade Runner, like Cyclops from X-Men style mirror <laughs> shades. And it's. It's so dope.
0: It looks very out of place in Baywatch, but I did love it. I think that's part of the point. Like he shows up and you're like, everyone else here is in a bikini or in just their swim trunks. And this man is decked out like he's come out of Vanilla Ice's movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which what if Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa was in Cool as Ice? Would that have made Cool as Ice better? I think so. I I'm not sure that's possible, to be honest. (laughs) It's the greatest movie ever made.
1: (laughs) But yeah, finally, Mitch and the other lifeguards manage to get the partier free. And then Mitch gives these kids a lecture about how it's bad to drink on the beach, especially because you're all underage. (laughs) And then we get a scene where Shawnee is like, Hey, Ben, you should teach me how to surf. And Ben's like, don't you hate surfing? And Shawnee goes, yeah, but Eddie says we only ever do what I want to do. So I'm going to learn how to surf to prove him wrong. Um, And this whole scene, maybe it was just me. Did it feel weirdly ominous to anyone else?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they don't introduce things like this without someone getting hurt. Usually ever. True. (laughs) No one ever does anything for just the fun of it. They do it for the fun of it, and then they die, usually, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, like, also, this is continuing that point where um, we have no evidence to back up that they only do what Shawnee wants to do, but Eddie keeps saying it, even though, again, season one had a whole episode where Eddie took them on a date to where he wanted to go, which was an illegal gambling boat. We also,
1: in the episode where this concept is first introduced, end it with Shawnee saying, all right, we can go do some of the things you want to do. So, like, I don't know. Kind of feels like Eddie's a shithead. Yes. I'm just
2: going to say, if this is a recurring thing, maybe he's just not the best boyfriend.
0: Yeah. I think think there's a lot of evidence to that point. (laughs) Yes. I think his entire personality... And just existence is evidence to that point.
1: Now, in his defense, he Mm. does live on a houseboat. Mm. So, Mm. you know, who can say?
0: Did you see, by the way, that the most expensive houseboat in Seattle or yeah, I think it's in Seattle is getting sold. Um, Really? It's there's one right when you uh, go across um, I-5 when you're on the north side. Uh, Like, right underneath. And it's this giant one that has always puts up these, like... So, you know, there's, like, there's Black Lives Matter posters. And then there's the knockoff ones that always have some sort of, like, really off-brand statement that doesn't necessarily make sense. Where it's, like, Black Lives and... Or it's, like, Black Lives and Dogs matter or something, oh, something weird no. like that. They always put up something weird that's like, you guys could have just said Black Lives Matter and we would have been like, great. Yeah. Thanks. But they're always like, Black Lives Matter and they should own boats. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, sure. I mean I guess Well, I can't say I've seen these. Yeah, well, the problem is you have to go on the water to see it. So I've seen it from Mm. like being on a boat going through there. Or if you're like at one of these like docked boats on the water, you can see the house. Mm. It's always funny.
1: Um, I have a cursed thought that I don't in any way endorse, but it's a boat having the sign Boat Lives Matter.
2: (laughs) I'm sure that that exists somewhere.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, it probably does, doesn't it? Somewhere <laughs> on by bayou. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what doesn't Boy. matter, though? Uh,
1: this next scene?
0: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that's a little bit
1: more general <laughs> than what I was going to say, but yeah. Um, yeah, this next scene is that Kay is coming over to Mitch's place, and Mitch and Hobie are bantering about how bad Mitch is at cooking, which... I love is the
0: one recurring plot point for all of season two.
2: <laughs> it's a
0: good one. It makes sense. It's simple. It's easy to keep track of.
1: Yeah. No, it, you know, it works. Um, but as Mitch and Hobie are bantering on the beach outside of Mitch's truck, Mason shows up and threatens Mitch. And my next note here is he's a Blade Runner badass. Um <laughs> And I
0: do genuinely love him as an antagonist for this episode. He's not really Blade Runner as a person. Uh, he's just got yeah. He's just got glasses that make you think of Cyberpunk. We should we should make sure for anybody who has not watched the episode, <laughs> don't think that all of a sudden there's a Blade Runner and Baywatch crossover because that wouldn't work. <laughs> I mean, I would watch that. I would watch it. Uh, I do have a. There is a scene at the end of this episode that it reminds me a lot of Bla- uh, Blade Runner, but uh, I d- oh. I don't think the two necessarily work thematically. Like save the beach, everything is bright colors, and wow, aren't we all destitute here? <laughs> don't don't mm-hmm. they don't necessarily mix?
1: Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Um, but also, you could call it Blade Watch, and you know. Isn't that reason enough to make a show? Or Bayrunner. Ooh. Oh, man. Bayrunner would totally be like a, like, allegory for 1920s bootleggers during Prohibition. (laughs) But it's set in the future, and they're running some sort of,
0: like, illegal space alcohol. I think you've just found your fan fiction. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: TM, 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 no one steal this idea. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, we've had a billions idea ideas on here and no one is, has stolen them yet. Uh, probably because they're all That's bad. That's true. But. Uh, yeah, you know. Or uh, genius. Who knows? Yeah. Everyone's
1: just too intimidated by our uh, wealth of good ideas. Everyone's just too intimidated by the love sink. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's true. I mean, listen, when you're in the love sync zone. Uh-
0: <laughs> I like that basically, you know, in the episode since, you know, Jamie's last time she was here, our jokes have not changed at all. Nope. <laughs> it's on the exact same references. Maybe added like cool as ice, but that's yeah. it. Otherwise, it's the exact same podcast episode. <laughs>
2: It took me a second now, on love sync, but then I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember what
1: that is now." <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now, in fairness, Michael, our jokes have not changed since long before Jamie was first <laughs> on the podcast.
0: I mean, my jokes haven't changed since birth. So,
1: <laughs> next up, we get a scene where Mitch, Kay, and oh, no, no 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 no, we, we need
0: to go back a bit. We didn't describe the last oh. scene, so. Mason comes up to Mitch and the whole point is that uh, Mason went to prison and Mm -hmm. he went to prison for five years. So he goes up to Mitch and says, I want five years of my life back. And Mitch says he should blame himself for going to prison, not Mitch. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Mason says, actually, I do blame you. And then he make does this really badass thing of he pulls out a um, a match and he just lights it on Mitch's truck and then oh, yeah, smokes that was a really cigarette cool. while he stares at him as he drives away. And also this this introduces us to how Mason only calls Mitch Beach Boy.
2: Yes. This whole yes. time. <laughs> and I love that. He loved saying Beach Boy too. He like said it was such like- contempt
0: I think he had a good time with this episode
2: yeah listen what can I say
1: that term just has some real good vibrations
0: (laughs) I almost spat out my water (laughs) Did,
2: did, did it occur to either one of you that this is basically just the plot of Cape Fear
0: I saw that on IMDB and then ignored it oh okay I've never seen Cape Fear, so
1: I, I can't say that it. did. Okay,
2: it has it has some strong Cape Fear vibes, which is not a bad thing. It's, it's a great movie. Both versions are are good, so um, I appreciated it. But it's very similar.
0: So, so what you're saying is is just that they adapted an already existing story and then put it to Baywatch?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally
1: works. I gotta say, if if Cape Fear is like this episode, I I would watch Cape Fear.
2: If you enjoyed this performance, I think you might enjoy like Robert Mitchum in the old one or uh, Robert De Niro and in, in the Martin Scorsese version Ooh. from the nineties. Both very very strong performances. <laughs>
0: so you need a new one with robert pattinson to make the robert (laughs) trifecta complete
2: i'd watch that too the
1: triumvirate of roberts yeah i would absolutely watch that is there a
0: council of roberts (laughs) (laughs) like do they just like sit at a table and go like the roberts this week have decided that we need to like raise tariffs
2: (laughs) 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 i'll ask the one downstairs after this
0: (laughs) Yeah, ask him how <laughs> politics work. I don't know how politics work.
2: <laughs> Ask him if
1: 20 Roberts agree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after, uh, after Mason does some badass shit with his cigarette, we, uh, we go to a dinner scene now where Mitch K and Hobie are, are having dinner. And as has been, uh, foreshadowed in the previous scene, Mitch's cooking is bad, um, but don't worry, we don't have to think about his cooking for too long. Because Wait, Mason we do.
0: Is- no, we do. We do. OK, because we should take apart the way this scene is framed. It's amazing. Oh, yes. It's amazing. Yes. So one, they're all drinking Coke yes hobie goes for diet while mitch is classic while Kay chooses up to vacuum few chooses to vacuum up food with no liquid assistance (laughs) whatsoever Uh, she just has an empty glass also it's funny that they think mitch would have cooked this when there's a fucking bread bowl in the corner that is untouched (laughs) with plates there for the bread that are stacked and have not been touched that they then use later for the dessert. Yeah. Like they took this bread bowl from whatever Olive Garden they found and they kept wrapping <laughs> and like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Hobie drinking Coke. Yes. Because one of my notes for this scene is that, oh, I guess Hobie's allowed to drink soda now. <laughs> That's yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> It's a character evolution. Yeah. 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 Look, you don't want to ruin his teeth. Mm -hmm. He's got them great big chompers that everyone everyone (laughs) associates him with. (laughs) Hobie and the chompers. Ooh. Is that
1: like a Muppets band? Ooh, it could be. (laughs) It totally could be. It'll be the rival to uh, like Animals band. Yeah,
0: yeah. This one has Hobie and Fozzie, and it's just a two person band. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I would go see them play at like Numos or something. Oh, absolutely. I would. I would. <laughs> well, I, where wouldn't I see them play? I would see them play in a garage. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to see Hobie do drums by chomping his teeth. <laughs>
1: Oh, God, I'm picturing the thought of like biting down on two wooden drumsticks and using that to play the drums. And it's deeply upsetting. Well,
0: it's not too far removed from what the Beach Boys did for a song on Smile, where they got Paul McCartney to chew celery over a telephone. And they (laughs) that was percussion. (laughs) What? I'm sure you have many questions here.
1: I do, I do, but I don't think we have time for all of them. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Wow. Okay. Learning, learning all sorts of new things today. I yep. guess. <laughs> but our our dinner scene doesn't get to be happy for too long, uh, because now it's time for Mason to call up Mitch while he throws knives off screen. And generally is menacing towards Mitch. Um, and then Mitch hangs up on him and he
0: calls back. It's it's supposed to be much more threatening, I think, than it actually is. I think the choker that he's wearing also makes it a little bit less threatening mm-hmm. than it should be. Yeah, I will say, though,
1: I mean. Cory is is hot, like, let's be honest here. And that choker that Joker does a lot for
0: him. Oh, yeah. No, he's a he's an attractive man. Uh, oh, yeah. And this is peak like this is peak body. <laughs> I don't know any other <laughs> way to say it under <laughs> peak body.
1: Um, I mean, it's also like it's also the 90s, which I know like early 2000s was peak choker, But I feel like, you know, the real... The real choker fans were starting to get into them now. I don't know
0: if that's true. Jamie, did you ever wear a <laughs> choker?
2: I did. I had several, you know, like hemp chokers or <laughs> beaded oh. chokers. I made a lot of my own. Um, oh, nice! Did yeah. you go for like
0: the emo black choker?
2: No, I was re- I mean, I've always been into lots of colors and been a colorful, sure, fan of like bright colored things. So I'd make you know ones with like rainbow colored flowers and things like that, but I would I would definitely do like you know six necklaces at the same time. Whoa! I'm thinking about like <laughs> there was a lot going on with my look. I guess. <laughs> wow!
0: I've never heard of six necklaces at the same time when it's not Mardi Gras.
2: Yeah, you know, they're all, like, different lengths or whatever, but there were, like, several chokers, and, like, I don't know if uh, you two have ever worn, like, hemp jewelry, but uh, it gets extremely smelly, (laughs) just, like, (laughs) absorbing your, you know, body oils and stuff wearing it. So, like, man, Mm. everyone wore hemp necklaces and bracelets when I was in, like, middle and high school, and they were pretty gnarly. (laughs) <laughs> but my comment, morning, so much. <laughs> my comment on this particular, my comment on this particular choker is that it just like is a very different style than his sort of, you know, futuristic, like cyberpunk yeah. sunglasses and stuff. It's like, it, it evokes a different vibe. I mean, it it looks like kink gear.
1: <laughs> like at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Like it's it's like leather loops with like brass uh or, was it brass or silver like clasps on it. Um I don't think we're yeah, the definitely... choker podcast. I didn't really write that down. <laughs> Listen, I grew up in in the early 2000s, so, you know, I have thoughts about chokers. Um <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it was it was an interesting choker. But yeah, definitely a very different vibe from his Blade Runner outfit. But speaking of Mason, now we get a new scene uh, where he features prominently, which is that he's on his way to a restaurant and sits down at the bar. And not an Italian
0: restaurant this time. That's true. That's true. It's not the same Italian restaurant from season one they would go (laughs) to and reframe the shot each time yeah (laughs) no this is this is a slightly fancier place
1: uh that is i guess a burger place maybe fancy but
0: also fancy like it's fancy because of the type of burger
2: it's like a gourmet burger well i was gonna say i found it really weird that like so they sit down at the booth with Kay, and then they're like we're gonna treat you to dinner now and you're gonna get burgers but like isn't it a bit late to be saying that when you're, like, already sitting in the restaurant with like the menu in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> where, did, where did she think they were taking her? Like, oh, are they going to, yeah. like, you know, play a movie or something? Like, no, this is a restaurant. We're going <laughs> to eat here.
0: <laughs> did you also catch what kind of burger they're getting? No. They're burgers made out of taro.
2: Oh. Hmm.
0: Really? really? They, they, they. They specifically call them taro burgers. And I mean, that's weird coming from a show where Eddie didn't like eating eel and spit it out onto someone's cleavage.
1: Yeah, I also like I like taro, but I I wouldn't think of it as a burger replacement.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I (laughs) it just seems very out, like out of the blue. Um, All of a sudden to do that, they could have just said the burgers are great here, but they specifically go Taro burgers, Taro burgers uh, (laughs) for some reason. Also, the other thing
1: I was confused about with this scene, is this supposed to be the same day as the dinner or
0: a different day? It's not really clear. Oh, uh, it seems like it's afternoon.
2: Yeah, I thought they said lunch or something.
1: Oh, okay. I must have missed that. Did
2: they say lunch or dinner?
1: Uh, Uh, uh,
2: uh. I got the impression it was the next day.
0: She's figured us out. We don't actually watch this show.
2: (laughs) You failed my quiz.
1: (laughs) Damn it, gatekeeped on our own podcast.
2: (laughs) What color Canadian tuxedo was Mitch wearing? (laughs)
0: Oh, I know that. I know that. That's easy. It's light blue. It's Jean's color because it's Canadian tuxedo. I won!
1: (laughs) Your prize is that you will get to be on the rest of the episodes of this podcast. (laughs) That could be a good thing or a bad
0: thing. Remains to be seen. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the... Bar Mason's at is the same restaurant that Mitch is at and they spot each other and Mitch goes over to talk to Mason and then they banter about how Mitch put Mason in prison and Mitch blame or Mason blames Mitch for this, which is kind of just a rehash of the last time they talked. Um, but then we find out that Mason either killed or severely maimed his ex-wife, um, allegedly, I was not
0: expecting. Allegedly. True, true. He doesn't specific. it's important, but he doesn't specifically say that he did, just that yeah. he, like, weaves some story about it.
1: Yeah, he says, I had an ex, I had a wife and kid, important word being, had, she used to be a model, and then I brought my knife, and... Now she doesn't model anymore. And I was like, whoa, Baywatch, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, that was intense.
0: Yeah. On the opposite side of the coin, important question here. So he went to jail for five years and we find out it, and we found out in the last scene uh, because uh, Mason was throwing knives at the news article about Mitch getting him arrested. That it was Mm -hmm. for, uh, he had a drug smuggling ring or, like, a drug operation on the pier. Yeah. Does five years seem a little short for a guy who's running a major drug operation? I feel like... A little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit short. Even with bail, I feel like it's a little short.
2: Maybe he, like, turned in other people and got a reduced sentence or something.
0: Ooh. Oh, maybe. 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 Maybe he's Shang sung. And he's a sorcerer. <laughs> That's my canon.
2: <laughs> Maybe the drugs he was dealing were like, you know, prescription. Strength souls. Tylenol or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> prescription strength souls. <laughs> Your soul is mine. That's my motto. I sell you souls for the best price. Actually, Mortal um, Kombat and Baywatch would cross over very well. Yeah. What if Mitch was in a Mortal Kombat game? What do you think his fatality would be? Oh, that's a good
1: question. I feel like like anything related to like drowning is too obvious. (laughs) I feel like I was going to say like the
2: the lifeguard, like that orange, you know, buoy thing that they flotation thing, like impaling someone with that.
1: Ooh! yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be pretty great. Like his fatality is he just like smashes someone's head off with his
0: lifeguard buoy. Yeah, he smashes them over and over and over, and then he hits them and then they fly off screen into a shark's mouth.
1: Ooh. That's
2: good.
0: Oh yeah. And then he puts on the sunglasses and poses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's way better than anything I was gonna come up with, so <laughs> uh, I feel bad
0: down. <laughs> but yeah, after that, uh now we get to see Ben and Sean. Oh, wait, sorry. One more thing I want to add about this scene, which I think oh, sure. establishes why this episode is good. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has this whole interaction with Mason and this is where we start for the first time really seeing Mitch loses cool. And yeah. so he's so frazzled that he went to this restaurant to order burgers. They said order burgers. So then Mitch gets back from talking to him. And the first thing he asks is, are the burgers here? And Hobie goes, no, of course not. Does not look like it? And just showing that Mitch is falling apart in anxiety, just like frazzled. And I think it's really interesting in terms of the way that they wrote this and the way it's acted uh, of him slowly losing his mind as the episode continues to go on.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I honestly didn't put that together while watching the episode, but you're totally right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with you that this episode is actually good. <laughs> like,
0: shock. Um, I know it's it genuinely is. <laughs> don't don't get too attached to that. <laughs> yeah,
2: you can really feel like the frustration where like Mitch like knows this guy is bad and, like, is right. plotting something, but, like, no one really understands or believes it, and, like, the guy's acting so, you know... Yeah. Normal-ish yeah, get around that. other people. So you can, like, yeah, like, his frustration... Mitch's frustration is palpable, and it makes the, the episode, you know, tense in the right places.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think this is one of the first times you've truly seen... Besides Mitch just, you know, randomly getting annoyed by something, this is the first time we've seen Mitch truly, like, pissed off. Um, and it, luckily it's not just, like, a zero to 100. It's, like, a slow gradual throughout the episode, which I think really makes it a lot better. Yeah, no, I totally agree.
2: Yeah, and this scene also sets up something where he, like, he gets back to the table. He says, like, oh, that was my friend to Hobie. Right, mm-hmm.
0: right. Because he doesn't want people to see because he's trying to be the hyper macho,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Mitch Buchanan. We know him as uh, when he's just yeah. slowly like losing it uh, and losing his temper. And
1: I, I really like that the the rest of the episode doesn't drop this. Like right. any he tries to do something about Mason, he's foiled by Garner or whoever being like, well, we don't have any proof like Mason's really good at finding these ways to, like, fuck with Mitch without it being too obvious. And yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I think that it was genuinely like tense. And I think David Hasselhoff did a really good job of conveying that frustration of being like, hey, here's a shitty thing that's happening to me. And no one is willing to believe me or do anything about it. Right. Like, yeah. No, I, I think this episode was good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But as a counterpoint to this episode being good, we have the next scene, Um, which is that Ben and Shawnee uh, meet up for their surfing lesson, and Ben complains about how surfing used to be better back in my day. Um, And then we get an incredibly long flashback montage of old timey surfing in black and white while some like vaguely Pink Floydy music plays and everyone's doing like a cross between a Superman pose and a Hitler salute. Yes. Yeah. And it goes on for Very so weird. goddamn long.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and luckily, this is another original song. Uh, oh boy. By the same guy who did the first one. Oh, uh, and I, oh. I, I like it a lot. I think I just like the singer's voice rather than the song's. Uh, themselves because uh, this Fair. song isn't necessarily good I just I really like his voice as a singer uh, and the montage itself isn't that great other than finding out that Ben was super hot as a kid <laughs> or as a young man uh, but Jamie um, I have some lyrics would you like to read these yes
2: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> okay. guess you would see <laughs> what I'm getting myself into here Pictures floating in my mind of days spent swimming under moonshine, carried nothing but our pride, held up high over the ocean tides. Those were better days. Waves crashed through the blaze. Good old boys catching Whoa. rays. Those were golden, better days. Wait, wait, sorry. No. Sorry,
0: one moment. Yeah. Well, good old boys catching rays sounds like a Jet Bush line. I cannot get over that. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah
2: waking up before the dawn the coast was our front lawn under the sun (laughs) so this is like the like kids get off my lawn of (laughs) the the lawn being the coast uh the years have slipped away we will always know we did it our way those were better days waves crashed through the blaze good old boys out catching rays and those were golden better days Ah, better days. We're, <laughs> we're nothing Oof. short of perfect praise, leaving nothing oh. to say. And those were golden, better days.
1: Ugh. Boy, the rhyme scheme in this is painful. Don
0: and Juan, <laughs> those are the ones I think of.
2: Also, just like, a, this oh, is like an God. okay boomer song where it's just like, back in my day when the yeah. surfboards weighed 80 pounds and wetsuits weren't invented yet, <laughs> we did things the right way. And Everything back when
0: women better. couldn't surf, back yeah. when it was only the boys <laughs> surfing,
2: we surfed up the waves, <laughs> <laughs> both ways. <Yeah.
0: laughs> we would tell the waves to appear. We would appear, for we are Poseidon. <laughs> the
1: the thing you said, Jamie, about the surfboards being eighty pounds uh, is literally a line that Ben <laughs> says in the episode.
2: Uh, he's also so snarky to shawnee about like showing up with gear like she showed up and she was like excited to learn from him he's like why did you go to a surf shop it's like
0: yeah yeah (laughs) also correct me if i'm wrong this is the last time this plot line appears in this episode
1: correct
2: yeah yep
0: the
1: closest we get is the boogie boarding scene later, but it doesn't have either of them and it's not actually
0: related. Right, so So, does Shawnee ever learn to surf? Like, like she just, like, goes up to him and is like, I want you to teach me to surf so I can show my boyfriend what's what. And he's like, listen here, young woman, let me tell you about my past. And she's like, I would rather literally die. And so she does.
2: (laughs) I, I imagine she just, like, wandered off while he was, like, sitting there, like, <laughs> ranting about his, like, weird old-timey surfing. She's like,
0: I don't get paid enough for this. And she just quits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have I have a question.
1: Do you think that sitting through this was the worst experience for Shawnee or sitting through Monty Markham describing the history of plastics
0: and lifeguard <laughs> towers to her? Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Monty Markham doing that, at least he's talking. What happened here was he's just staring (laughs) for like four minutes at a surfboard. She's like, Ben, are you okay? And he's just like, That's true. And it's just him muttering, Waking up before the dawn, the coast is our front lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Like over and over.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. So, uh, actually, I think she probably would have preferred Monty Markham because at least she's like, okay, I get it. Like, I get that you're you're a dick, but you're also alive and not going through something. True, true. God. Um, but yeah, let's see.
1: Next up, we get a little scene where Mitch tells Garner everything that's happened with Mason and Garner's like, listen, I don't have proof. There's nothing I can do. And that's the whole scene. Um, and then we there, get there is long
0: a, sec- a really fucked up line in this scene where Garner says, As much as I'd like to, I can't arrest a man for what he's capable of. Uh, which has many yeah. implications, many yeah. of which are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that worried me. Um, because of course, they're supposed to be like, Yeah, great, I wish he could give him more power so he could just arrest people whenever he wanted to. Okay. No. Alternate theory, though. Alternate theory, though. We've talked
1: about Blade Runner already. What if this episode is the prequel to Minority
0: Report?
2: That's I wrote Beach Precog on my notes. Thing.
0: <laughs> Man, we're just doing cross fan fiction this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like how at the last, you know, I I think it was the last episode where I. You know, Helen helped us look up Baywatch Hentai. Well, now we're doing the non erotic version <laughs> of that. Uh, and we're just looking for all the ways in which Baywatch has crossed over with other series. Uh, yeah. I approve of all of these. Um, but what about if Baywatch crossed over with Shrek? Ooh. I I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> like Shrek just comes slumbering down the beach going, don't get <laughs>
2: <laughs> is, is, is Shrek a lifeguard in this crossover?
0: Oh, Shrek is absolutely a lifeguard, yeah. Okay. But he's a lifeguard, but people don't want to get rescued by him. Uh so <laughs> in fact he causes people to drown. Uh, and they're like, Man, we we just he's a nice guy, but he's just causing so many drownings. So people have to save other people from him. And that's yeah. that's an entire season of plot right there. Oh yeah. No, I
1: I think this is good content. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. After uh, after the precog scene, um, we get a long sequence where Mason is menacing Mitch's house. And then
0: he steals a picture. Yeah, He he steals the picture and he has a knife. And he looks at the picture and he looks at his knife and it's almost like he's trying to figure out how in a LucasArts adventure game, how like the two objects interact. <laughs> like he has to press the right button, like use knife with photo. <laughs> and eventually he's like, oh, cut out Hobie. And so he, like he cuts out a picture of Hobie and then he just leaves, I think. Like, it's just gone. It's it's very weird. Like, it's a good mind game. Like, I I approve of the mind game. It's just very weird from the perspective of imagine yourself being the guy breaking into someone's house and only cutting out a photo of the guy's son and then leaving. Yeah, I I don't understand.
1: But yeah, the scene uh, goes on forever and ends with Mitch going to check on Hobie after their dog barks. But Hobie's not in danger, so it's fine. Next, we get Mason, uh, showing up to the beach the next day and he's there to watch Hobie and the junior lifeguards. And this is the first time we see him shirtless
0: and (laughs) man is hot. Yes. (laughs) He also puts on an entirely different accent for this scene. Yeah. It's really interesting because he's totally playing it up. Very nice. Like he gets rid of his like Shang Tsung accent that he does it, yeah. just very menacing and evil where he over pronounces everything intentionally and then just is like, oh, no, I am just going to talk in my normal, my normal accent here. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was really, really cool. It's not that cool. I mean, it's just acting, but I still think it's cool.
1: I mean, I think by the standards of Baywatch, like I honestly think he might be the best guest actor we've ever seen on this show.
0: Mm, Buzz Bill, Mondo in this same episode.
1: Well, <laughs> boy, I cannot wait to talk about that scene. <laughs> God, I, when I was crying
0: laughing when that scene I, happened, I, well, we'll get I to I just it. want to say right now, I, I need somehow the universe to manifest a cameo of Luigi Primo doing all of Vito's lines yes. from that scene. But we'll get but, to that later. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I have so much to say about that. Um,
1: but yeah, so he, Mason introduces himself to Hobie and he's like, Hey, you should teach me how to do a three sixty on a boogie board. And it, it was all vaguely ominous, but I wasn't really clear why, like, I wasn't sure if he was like trying to kill Hobie or what the hell was going on. Um, but then Kay shows up and interrupts it without really knowing what she's doing. And so Hobie is safe. And then we get a scene where Mitch is on the phone with Garner. Wait,
0: wait, wait. But this scene specifically is the most film school level like shot scene I've ever seen in this show where the scene goes from K running to Mitch turned around at the start of the scene to just turning back around towards the camera shouting, damn it, Garner, I don't have any proof. And I'm like, yeah, you can so clearly tell where the editing was on the scene. And it just feels so this is my first film. Are you proud of me, mom and dad, in terms of the editing? And I kind of love that uh, because it's so bad.
1: It it reminds me a lot of. So I uh, recorded another episode of another podcast with some friends the other day and we watched uh, the movie Branded from 2012, um, which has a very similar vibe of being just super both over and underwritten, which I think is very much Baywatch's vibe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, this scene just woof. It It was so both overwritten and underwritten. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I want. I do want it to be smarmy and campy. Uh, and I want it to also be like, Look how, look how well and tidy is and ready to explode. Um, But at the same time, I'm still not going to not shit on it, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's why we have a podcast. It
1: is? I mean, I thought the real reason we had a podcast was because we're two men who have never watched Baywatch before.
0: I Um, I thought it was... Because we want a podcast where all we did was just talk to Jamie and her family. True. <laughs> we're just like, you know, we, we're we all friends. We talk to you outside of this podcast. But what if we <laughs> talk to you in this podcast and that's all the podcast was about? And they watch, <laughs> I guess, or something. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's how it feels from my perspective being, you know.
0: That, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, and that's the vibe yeah, we want I, to curate. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, so wait, there's something mm-hmm. important about this scene that I was supposed to bring up, but I can't remember what it was, but Tessa sure. Out about it. Uh, I do
1: want to real quick uh, just say that uh, this podcast is like the Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family.
0: <laughs> there's OK, wait. Ah. Uh, OK, so this is my side story, um, because, you know, okay, we don't have enough tangents in this podcast. <laughs> but how this scene reminded me of an actual thing that happened to me yesterday that I told Morgan about, where I went Oh, to get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go get a haircut and my the company I work for does software for some salons and such. So the <laughs> place I went
1: to and mm-hmm. is in a bitter rivalry with the company I also recently <laughs> started at who also does
0: that. Yes. Uh <laughs> unintentionally I was started pretty near to each other at competing companies. Yes, and so I go, I walk into this place, and uh, I say, "Oh, you know, by the way, I have a few questions for you, just because uh, I, I work at a company that does your software." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, great, sure. Like, what do you want to know?" And so I toss them, and uh, maybe about, like ten minutes into this conversation, um, they eventually say the name of the software, and it's not my company, and I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Well, I'm too far into this conversation to back out. I can't just be like, "Oh, well, I work for the old people." No, no, no. I'm just gonna go with it. So, oh, Michael. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, oh, yeah. And like that feature we can do that. He's like, oh, yeah. Like the last software, I hate it when they when they you know they did this. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's something we hear a lot about. Um, you know, when people oh don't like God. that, and he's like, oh. Like I'm sitting down, I'm just waiting for like you know the 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 hairstylist, and he's like, one more thing I wanted to tell you, and I was like, uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <And> he's like, <laughs> one was, more thing. I love this thing, or you can do this, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love that part of it. It's like, oh yeah, it's so great. I hate it. The old th- whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So then, uh, you know, I get the haircut, I go back up, and I'm paying, and he's like, oh, we're gonna give you a discount. Because you work for this company. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. I'm in too deep. I can't just be like I've lied to you this whole time. Oh this is like a very my god. a La- very David esque scenario right now. Yeah. Right? Uh I've broke myself into an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm here. Uh and he's Jesus. like And he's like, Oh well, you know what? Um yeah, I'm gonna give you like ten dollars off your haircut. I'm like, ten dollars? <laughs> Holy crap, because it's like a like a thirty-six dollar haircut, and I'm like, okay, yeah. like sure, why not? And he's like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna write down my name on a card here uh, because uh, you know maybe uh, I don't know if you work with oh, you know, my my people here, no. but you can talk to somebody. And I'm like, yeah, sure, like thanks. Uh, and so then today, uh, I message one of my coworkers. I'm like, hey, would didn't this company um, leave us? And my co my my colleague goes. They left. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> apparently, like one month ago." And she and she's like, "I just checked in them one and a half months ago, and they gave us like perfect tens on like feedback scores, wow. and they were like doing product recommendations, and we apparently were sending like a camera crew to them to interview them about something. Oh my and god! And now they just like left." So it's this whole big ordeal, and the point of this is is that I feel like Mason uh, <laughs> being duplicitous, trying to you know uh, you know convince young Hobie salon hair salon that I am not there for nefarious reasons. I am not covert op stalking on them, but accidentally, oh I think God. I was.
2: I was gonna say you're like unintentionally like Slugworth from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where you
0: yes I yes, am I am. Competition. I am Slugworth thanks Jay. Yeah,
1: you can never go back to that hair salon I hope you know that <laughs> oh I
0: absolutely can
2: <laughs> you get a $10 discount there why wouldn't you go back
0: true, true. <laughs> I, look the guy says the guy at the register is like you know I hop around on all of these because it's a franchise so he's like oh I hop around you know I got different ones there and like look all I have to do is just say, I work for a software company that does this. I do. I know some of the features. I do. And just research my competition more. Fine. I don't even want the discount. I don't need the discount. I just like, the, I just like getting my hair cut there. I like the vibe. Yeah. So, you know, I want to keep going there. <laughs> but I do, have to, I do have to do some research, which is not necessarily a thing you need to normally do before you go get your haircut.
1: Honestly, this does feel like it could be the beginnings of a really good meat
0: cute Like... <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I mean, we'll work on that one later. <laughs> 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 this also, sorry, brings me to one other thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Morgan, uh, I, I messaged Morgan earlier uh, that I had an idea for a scam. Uh, so oh, it's just, yes. Now just related, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and, Jamie, I would also like your opinions on this scam, uh, which may or may not be legal or illegal. I haven't figured out yet. Uh, I feel like if you have to describe something as a scam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think of it like an Ed, Ed and Eddie terms or like a scam is like <laughs> we're going to get jawbreakers. And I'm like, it's not really that illegal, but it is a scam, you know? Like, there's sure. not really, like, the jawbreaker police going around, you know.
2: <laughs> is it, like, the a level of scam where you're selling uh, dissolving ba- bikinis? <laughs> uh, it's
0: much more lucrative and likely illegal than that. Uh, okay. huh. which, is, which is, what if you had sold an NFT of a deed, but the, the NFT itself is, like, a low-quality JPEG? But you now have the ownership rights to that picture of the deed. Uh, and the deed is to like a plot of land. But you don't specify like where the plot of land is or what it is. They do own it because they have the ownership rights to this NFP. Mm. Uh, but again, it's a low quality JPEG. Uh, and so you can't read it.
1: I think you're actually okay there, because there was a whole thing a couple years ago where people were selling like console boxes on eBay right when the new round of consoles was coming out and people were buying them thinking they were actual consoles. And I'm pretty sure that's not illegal. As long as you, you know, put somewhere on the page that it's not actually a deed to a plot of land. No, this is so. Right. right, But I'm saying. I'm saying, like, as long as you make it clear that what you're buying is a picture of the deed of land,
0: no, not the deed of land. No, 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 no. You are buying the deed in digital form via an NFT, but you can't read it. Ah, <laughs> this is where the illegal part. comes. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if it's illegal or legal, um, but I imagine it's very lucrative.
1: Honestly, I suspect that there just aren't laws
0: about NFTs yet. R- well, I mean nft market is crashing so i mean not like I it a, it's like down 90 percent uh, i know like, like last month or something i saw i saw an article about that the other day
1: and it makes me so happy just uh oh, well i'm so glad
0: <laughs> that that fucking bullshit scam has failed already but we could have sold an nft of shrek in uh, a <laughs> outfit, and that would have made bangers, you know, Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. All right. <sighs> Fuck. All right. I'm I'm officially issuing um, a tweet that says that the NFT market is not allowed to crash yet until we have sold <laughs> our uh, Baywatch Shrek <laughs> NFT.
0: <laughs> we have the best and by which I mean the weirdest and least lucrative ideas on this podcast,
1: yes. mm hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. It's why we've managed to make a whole zero dollars from this podcast so far.
0: <laughs> that is true. Technically, we have made zero dollars, and not yeah. even that technical. We just have made in, in <laughs> the negative because we yeah. spent money on this. <laughs> Hey, you got to spend money
1: on Shrek NFTs to make money, as they always say. You
0: got to spend money on Shrek NFTs to make Shrek the the sequel. (laughs) Exactly. Desperately, I request for you to take us out of this. (laughs)
1: Uh, Before I take us out of this, I do need to post an image in our Discord chat real quick. Um, And there it goes. (laughs) And uh, please enjoy. (laughs) This will be our alternate art for the episode. Mesmerizing. Um,
0: (laughs) Happy Pride Month. (laughs) (laughs) You know, nothing screams pride like Shrek as a car. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, his name is Shrek Kurchowski
1: and don't you disrespect it.
2: Is it Shrek or is it the the dude from Monsters, Inc.? No, he's got the
0: Shrek ears.
1: Oh, you know, no, I think you're right, Jamie. I think that is Mike Wachowski. No, because the name does fit better. But Mike Wachowski is is
0: doesn't have those ears.
2: Yeah, it's like a, it's like a True. Shrek. Mike I
0: think it could be all three yeah I th- I think what we've unfortunately stumbled upon is the fact that the creator of this didn't know themselves what they were making <laughs> a feeling that is just completely alien
1: to uh, to Michael and I having created this podcast <laughs> look I don't know what half the things
0: I say mean but I do know yeah. that strike could strike could, Shrike could cha- Sh- oh my <laughs> holy shit. Sh- I'm struggling here. Shrike Kach- No, it's not happening. Yeah Shrike Kachowski. Shrike Kachowski. Shrike Kach- I hate that name. Shrike Kachowski <laughs> is absolutely like a mischance uh Baywatch name. Like there should be a character named Shrike Kachowski on Baywatch. <laughs> and it should be played by Buzz Belmondo. Yes. Even though like I like how we've gone from last time we were like, I fucking hate this guy, he's the worst to give this man 12 Oscars. He's the yes. best. Um, yes. Which we'll get into later. Yes.
1: Yeah, speaking of, let's uh, let's rush through some more of these scenes so we can get to the good stuff. Um, next up, uh, Kay comes into the headquarters and tells Mitch about having seen Mason with Hobie. And so Mitch and Kay run down to the beach and then... Mitch starts punching Mason um, and Mason says a line that the audio quality in my version was bad. So I'm curious if I misheard that. Um, but the line is, you're out of control, beef boy, um, which I am now realizing was beach boy. Yes. But uh, I my head canon is that Mason calls him beef boy. <laughs>
0: Um, That's like a and Eric insult. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a guy named Beef Boy who like sausages come out of his ears or something.
1: (laughs) It's free beef. (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) Um... I literally rewound that line like three or four times trying to understand what the fuck he was saying. But the audio quality was so bad that it just kept sounding like beef boy. And I was like, you know what? This is
0: too funny. I like in your head. You were like, you know what? This is the one time they were going to change it from beach to beef. (laughs) This makes perfect sense.
1: I mean, listen, Mitch. Mitch is a slab of beef. Let's be honest here. So it doesn't not make sense. Yeah. He's just he's just a real chunk of sandy beef. Um, (laughs) And then then he starts punching Mason and the punch sound effects are terrible. Yes. Um, Um, and then some other lifeguards show up and pull Mitch off. Um, and Mason is using this to generate sympathy for himself, which I thought was so, so smartly written and so brilliantly played by him where he's going around to the crowd and being like, Mitch just attacked me out of nowhere. Can you believe it? Like he just kept punching me and I was like, oh,
0: wait, is this good? Yes. Like. What the fuck, Baywatch? Yeah. He's so smarmy. And that's, I, I really enjoy about it because you're like, yeah, at every point, Mitch is like the villain of this episode. Uh, yeah. Because immediately after this, Mitch screams at Hobie and he tells him yeah. how many times i told you not to talk to strangers. And he slaps his boogie board away from him. And it's like yeah. Mitch is truly lost.
1: No, it's it's good, actually, which is weird. Yeah. Um, And I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) Yeah. Next up, we go back to Mitch's place where he explains everything that's happened so far to Kay and Hobie and how they are in danger. And then Garner calls. um, And as far as I can tell, Mitch is under arrest or something for punching Mason, but they don't dub any of Garner's lines during this scene, which makes me think that it was a late addition to the episode and, like, uh, Garner was just off filming something else or whatever. Um, Because it was really weird that they don't bother dubbing his half of the phone conversation. I think it was just to be suspenseful, maybe. I guess, but it's pretty obvious from, like, line one what's
0: going on. I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that. I think he was inviting him to a party. <laughs> <laughs> they used up all their uh,
1: all their writing juice in the previous scene. I think they they got some back. You know, they get some back and yeah. they, for, you know, next scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, they've got Mason in the episode, so they have a good source for their writing juice now.
0: Yeah, because um. he steals souls. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jamie, have you ever seen... The 1990s Mortal Kombat movies?
2: No, I haven't.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, you Ooh. are missing out for one of them and not missing out for the other. Um, <laughs> yes. Morgan, would you like to describe your experience of having seen them for the first time in the last maybe month and a half? Because I wanted to see them before the, we watch this episode. Uh, and yeah. describe the difference between the two of them.
1: So the the first Mortal Kombat movie is a perfectly generic, fine early nineties, vaguely kung fu martial arts movie. It's it's good. It has some good moments. Um, great soundtrack. and seems to have been yeah, great soundtrack. Seems to have been shot on you know about the budget you'd expect for something like that. The actors are all good. The writing is.
0: Good <laughs> Wait 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 Are you telling me the dick punch Wasn't like the greatest scene of all time
1: <laughs> It was You know it was what you expected Going into it And the the acting was on the same level um, And then the second movie Was shot on uh, Four dollars and a stick of gum <laughs> And uh, Boy does it show uh, It is so so terrible and the effects look atrocious
0: it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life wow. it's really bad yeah
2: is it returning cast members from the first movie or totally different people?
0: that's the thing some of some them are just them. randomly changed uh, yes very badly um like all of a sudden like so christopher lambert was in the first one as Raiden, and then he's not in the second one. They recast him (laughs) as someone else who has no business acting ever. No. Um, Yeah. And then they're like, hmm, we need need a DJ. Why don't we just cast every... (laughs) Why don't we cast like six DJs as kung fu experts? Let's do that. Yeah. So they do that a bunch. And then... God, there's like, it, 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 it's so bad. <laughs> it's a bad movie. I love watching it uh, because it reminds me, rather than like so bad it's good movies or like enjoy, this is one of those that reminds me what a good movie is because yeah, there's not really any competent parts of the movie, like none at all. It has no. no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Like some of the fight scenes are OK, but they're also really bad compared to like every other fight scene you've ever seen. Yes. Uh, yeah. Especially the one where Luke Kang turns into uh, what looks like if Jason and the Argonauts tried to make Godzilla. Um, <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and then he faces off against the literal Hydra from Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then they fight for like 10 seconds. They fall off a cliff and everyone goes animality, animality (laughs) over and over. Uh, Yeah. What I'm saying is don't, don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But watch the, um,
1: I mean, or do. Oh yeah. Do it. I love
2: watching bad movies.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah. It is literally how we all met. Yes, so. yes exactly. <laughs> that is true.
0: But it is one of those ones where, like, the last you're going to get out of it are just, like, groans and uh, and uh, headaches yeah. kind of thing. Mm. You know, face palming. But yeah. it, you have to watch the first one because, okay. I mean, it, it it makes so much more sense of why it's bad. Uh, when you're, like, the, the like the first movie ends with, like, a big tournament or ends with a big battle, and everyone's, like, all happy. And then the second one starts with, like, okay, so we got to go to these giant metal balls and they take us halfway across the earth. But you also got to lean to the right, otherwise you'll fall into a lava pit. And it's like, what? Where did this come from? This was... No one asked for this. <laughs> They're also <laughs> flirting the entire time. And we're like, no one asked for you to be hitting on people in giant metal balls while avoiding lava. Like, that's not a thing I asked. <laughs> anyway, please I mean, take Falling
2: into that. lava while inside of a giant metal ball would be really awful, I imagine. Yeah, it would.
0: You would probably die. I mean, that sounds pretty awful. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Next up, we get... <laughs> Happy um, Pride Month. <laughs> god uh next up we get what i would uh classify as the most egregious scene in this episode there's there's one plot point that we'll hit later that really just bothers me um which is that Kay and hobie are, are playing cards and hobie just keeps winning so they're going to go have dessert instead. And Kay's like, don't you have any other games? And Hobie's like, I've got mousetrap. It's upstairs. And Kay's like, I bet you're going to beat me at that too. Um, so Hobie goes upstairs to go get mousetrap. And, uh, Kay is in the kitchen fixing dessert. And then the dog starts barking and Kay starts to get suspicious. And we get a close-up shot of her knife as she starts oh. cutting an apple into slices with the core still oh. attached. I have so many <laughs> things
2: to say about this apple.
1: Guy. <laughs> That's what you guys are concerned about. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have two problems with this scene. One that, and two that Kay is calling apples and cheddar cubes dessert. <laughs> what the fuck? Kay. It's that healthy. is. Yeah. But when like, okay. I like, <laughs> I like a fruit and cheese board for dessert. It, It's good. It's a nice after meal finisher, whatever. If I was fucking 10 you were like, we're having dessert and then you handed me apples and cheese cubes, I would punch you in the face. Okay,
0: that's not fucking dessert. Counterpoint like you're thinking of just normal apples and cheese. This is apples, cheese, cheese that disappears. And then she replaces them (laughs) on the plate, according to the IMDb goof section. And that is magical cheese. And don't you want magical cheese? I mean, I do. Yeah.
2: Yes, but still not dessert.
0: Okay. Exactly. Wow. Thank you. Jake. <laughs> they did have brownies earlier, like two days ago, and so they don't want to yeah. ruin their appetite. Some I can't. I can't even defend this.
2: Okay. So when she's cutting these apples, I have never seen someone cut an apple more slowly. <laughs> <than> <laughs> <the tree. laughs> the apples like the, the slowest, most deliberate cuts, leaving the core in, and. Then <laughs> She puts the apple slices on the plate and pours out the cheese twice, but then she leaves like half the apple slices on the cutting board. And it's like, why did you cut up a second fucking apple if you're going to put one on the plate? Then walk away. Those apples are going to get all oxidized and gross by the time you eat them. Just really baffling choices on her part in serving dessert. Yes. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I am so glad someone else is as angry about this scene as I am. I wrote more notes
2: about this part of the episode than anything
0: else. Wow.
1: It's, it doesn't make sense. This episode was so well written up until this point. And then, and then it just wasn't.
2: It was very distracting. (laughs)
0: Yeah, my, my notes focus on the emotion in her eyes, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. She's
2: sad because she realized halfway through that she didn't actually know how to cut an apple.
0: <laughs> she was very suspicious. She was like, these sounds, these vibes. Did I cut an apple wrong?
2: I, okay, I <laughs> Is buy that the that. police just, like, distracted, coming? Distracted, and so she made like the most half-assed plate of food.
0: Uh, I guess she was afraid, and yeah. What do we all do when we're afraid? We cut apples the wrong
2: way.
1: (laughs) But but the thing is, like her cuts were relatively uniform. Mm -hmm. Like if the core wasn't there, that would be perfectly
0: that would be perfectly acceptable in a restaurant setting. She just got a good cut and wrist. You know, she is born with wrists that like to cut. (laughs) These wrists were made. Oh no, I can't make that joke. You mean too late? Uh, you already did it. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: yeah. So that this, was the, the end of the end of this scene is that Mason is in the house and he's got. Wow. Home, held wow. Way to ruin all the emotion <laughs> there. Listen, I'm very angry about these apples and cheese.
0: <laughs> if it were oranges, um, would you be happier? No.
1: OK, I don't. I don't like eating oranges. The texture is bad. It's,
0: I don't like... <laughs> I definitely don't want whenever, oranges
2: <laughs> and cheese cubes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's... that's yeah. <laughs> I don't like oranges because when you touch them with your hands, uh, it smells very oxidized. And I hate mm. the smell. Uh, and it just doesn't come off your fingers. I will say, though, I think there are other
1: fruits that would work good with cheese. And I... I'm I'm kind of feeling like like the obvious combination here is like dates and brie or whatever. Sure. But I wanna I wanna propose bananas and gorgonzola. I feel like oh. would be good. I've never tried it before, but I I would eat that. I'd eat I that. Think.
2: I was gonna say you know classic like pears and like a sharp white cheddar. It's always good. Sure. Also good.
0: What about something like uh, pineapple and Swiss? Hmm. because they both got holes
2: so it's hard to say (laughs) (laughs) Mm.
1: oh see i i love me some swiss but again jamie with the weird hot
0: takes about dairy dairy products (laughs) well it's just you and dairy
2: (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) favorite snacks uh that i learned from my great grandma is just some like cheddar preferably like a sharp cheddar with Made if you can get it raspberry jam on top, just like a smear. Oh, yeah, you know, just, oh, yeah, just eating that, is so good.
0: Yeah, but mm-hmm. is it the jam that makes it, or is yeah. it cheese that makes it?
2: It's but you have to have the right ratio, you know.
0: That's because, yeah. you're you're just so anti dairy, you know. I mean,
2: no, I'm very pro like <laughs> cheese and yogurt and ice cream and everything that's made with milk. It's just
0: you can't <laughs> fool me. I'm too <laughs> smart for this. I figured this episode out. You can't
2: believe me. It's like, you know, I like bread and cake and things that are made from flour, but I don't want to, like, eat flour. That's how I feel about <laughs> it.
1: Uh, you're messing out. Just, like, it's sitting just down with huffing.
0: a nice bowl of flour at the end of the day. Ooh, Ooh baby, that's the good shit. Just <laughs> letting it sift through your hands, tilting your head back, mm-hmm. and just dropping it into your face. <laughs> yeah. Some of it gets on your eyes and you have to clean your glasses.
1: (laughs) Um, Now that that upsetting image is in everyone's head, uh, let's keep going with the episode. (laughs) Um, Now we get a brief scene where Garner and Mitch talk about how Mitch needs to chill the fuck out or provide some proof. Um, So Mitch heads back home. And Mason has left a note saying that he kidnapped Kay
0: and Hobie so and I, come to the shipyard. I have this is the part where I'm upset because uh, I have issues okay. with this note. So, okay. the note reads: "Hi, Beach Boy, the the three of us are having a part uh, having a private party at Sato Shipyard. Hope you can make it alone, and the alone is is underlined. However, mm-hmm. the I in high." And the U in us are lowercase, but everything else is capitalized in this letter. (laughs) And it makes no sense. No sense at all. Who wrote this? Do you understand how capitalization works? Do you understand how (laughs) all caps works? Like, I don't. Listen, this is just a, this is a
1: precursor to, like, mixed case typing. (laughs) Really, really what we're learning is that... Mason is an OG Tumblr teen.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, there are some Tumblr teens writing about Mason Sato, probably. <laughs> I was going to say, like... I would read that slash fic.
2: The note stands out to me because, like, the hand... Like, although there's, like, the mixed cases, like, it is so neat. Like, it looks like... Oh, yeah. A font.
0: Oh, yeah. Mason Sato this is his uh, he wrote with his knife throwing hand it's very <laughs> you know, it's very strong he's got wrists just like Kay does wrist <laughs> i can't make the joke i almost made the joke too and then i also realized why we shouldn't be making that joke and then i have to stop myself
2: well <laughs> like why did he write it so large like it, he wrote it like he needed to be able to read it you know from across the room
0: I think he learned how to write from, like, the the big font uh, Scrabble dictionary, (laughs) where it's like like a word, a page, and it's 1,400 pages. (laughs) I only know that because my parents had it, because my parents are like, I want to play Scrabble, and I want to have a dictionary, but dictionaries are just too small. Let's have the huge one, and everything's in size, like, 36 font, and it's too (laughs) big at that point to really do anything with it.
2: I have not encountered this, but now I'm
0: curious. Oh, I will send you all the pictures you want uh, (laughs) of the big Scrabble notebooks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch heads to the shipyard, uh, which is Sato shipping. And then we get Mason and he has a chance to give his villain monologue, where he also kind of flirts with Kay, and it's a little weird. Um, And Hobie tries to be brave and be like, if you kill us, my dad will kill you. And Mason's like, not if I kill him first.
0: Um, Here's the first the first issue with Mason's plot. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that he's amazing with knives? Amazing penmanship. Horrible yes. at tying a rope around people. <laughs> like he 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 ties their hands and he very loosely just like drops a rope over their stomach. Because you're supposed to like tie people up so it like binds their stomach. Supposed to. I mean, if you were trying to be evil and look, I I, I did I some was research. Gonna, I haven't done I was this. gonna ask. <laughs> Yo, know, uh, no further questions on that. Uh, <laughs> it's just like dangling at their waist. And it's like they could just stand up. Like easily yeah. stand up and just kick you. Like, duh. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Um, but we do get a cool vil- villain monologue from Sato. And uh, then he jumps on top of some shipping crates. Um as Garner goes to Mitch's house and finds the note and is like, I also will head to the shipyard. Um, And then Mitch shows up. And uh, did anyone else notice that the foley of his footsteps of him running into the shipyard were uh, terrible?
0: I Um, I didn't notice this. No, because he's
1: he's running away from the camera, but all of them are exactly the same volume. (laughs) Maybe
0: they dubbed (laughs) over that or edited that out a bit. I don't know.
1: Maybe. But it it sounded like he was just running in place. And it was very funny to me. Um, And then then we get a really long fight scene. I loved it. Where Mitch and Mason are are punching each other for a while. And then uh, they go out onto a balcony and they have a Lion King scene where Mason decides to, instead of just kill Mitch... Uh, do some scar shit and just knock him down. Um, and then Mitch finds a bow staff and, and they fight some
0: more. It's a steel beam, but yeah.
1: Yeah, you know. And then Garner shows up and, and now the fight is underwater. And, and then finally the cops arrest Mason.
0: So wait, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being a Sonic the Hedgehog fight scene that doesn't take place in a bar... Um, of which mm. there are none because the only fight scenes inside the Hedgehog movie technically are in a bar. Cause like the other scenes are more like action scenes. They're not like fight scenes. Um, sure. But if you had to rate this out of 10, where would you rate this fight scene?
1: Sure. So a, a one is a Sonic fight scene outside of a bar and a 10 is a Sonic fight scene in a bar. That's an even better scale. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to even do that, but yeah, let's do that. Um, You know, I got to say, you know, um, as someone who really is just just the resident expert on this podcast about the Sonic bar fight scene. Yeah. uh, Having seen it a whole, you know, a grand total of zero times, Yeah. um, Really, you know, I just got to say, like. Really, you know, I can see a lot of parallels between those two Uh scenes, and I do think that the Sonic bar fight was clearly inspired by this episode. Uh You know, some of the some of the shot composition just Mm. really clearly uh, was was inspired from this episode. Absolutely. Um, But I think overall, the, the visual language of the Sonic bar fight, it's just so much more colorful than this. And I think that really does give it an advantage. But. I do love the literary reference in this scene to uh, The Lion King, a movie that will not come out for another three years until after this episode. Mm. Um, So I really, you know, when it comes down to it, I got to give the edge to this fight scene. And I got to say that uh, that this episode or this the fight scene in this episode uh, ranks in at um, one Dr. Robotnik, three chow and six rings
0: wow wow what a what a stunning rating Jamie <laughs> Jamie do you agree
2: that um,
0: yeah. that's why I asked if you agree
2: <laughs> I, I agree I, I did want to say I really enjoy um, the use of like props in the first half of the fight like really good mm-hmm. you know, like the, the stunt wall yeah. whatever that they go through and then like the like rack of tools that they use the chain and like so that was all really good. And then I also really enjoyed that Mitch got to use his like lifeguard skills at the end when he like does like the the lifeguard grab over someone's shoulder
0: the lifeguard and yeah yeah you yeah. Yeah, he does like lifeguard punch lifeguard kick lifeguard yeah. grab you
2: know I never worked as a lifeguard as a teenager but I did take like got like certification as a lifeguard because I thought I might want to work as a lifeguard one summer Ooh. and that is like a bit like that that like hold is like a big deal because then people can't like grab you and drag you underwater so I was like oh that's the lifeguard hold <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I really appreciated that. So yes, I agree with the the score. I don't know. What was it? A doctor, two of Dr. Robotics. <laughs> 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 Four rings, I a mean, oh. in a pear tree.
0: Yes. I think the something I, I enjoyed about this fight scene is that unlike a lot of like um, white people fight scenes, uh, they don't make the white person all of a sudden like the best at Kung Fu. It's just yeah. Mitch doing his really, like, lazy, like, American street fighting, which is just a lot of punches and, like, grapples. And so he just, like, uses the props around him and just punches. And I thought, like, you worked well with what uh, Mitch would fight like against someone who's, like, actually knows martial arts, who so can obviously tell that. Um, and he just punches wildly. And at one point it works. And I was like, wow, like, that's, that's a well-done fight choreography in that regard. Uh, which I was not expecting from this show.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think overall, this was definitely one of the better fight scenes we've seen in Baywatch. Honestly, if not the best fight scene. Like, it, it was honestly really good. And I think my only complaints about it are, one, it was shot super dark, so it was kind of hard to see what was going on. Um... And two is kind of just a general critique of serialized television shows, especially of this era, which is that at the end of the day, there kind of weren't any stakes. Oh, yeah. Like nothing bad was actually going to happen ever as the result of this. And it it does kind of undercut the tension of it. But I think I think from a purely cinematic perspective, I I agree with you that it was actually a good fight scene.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And also it ends with uh, I think is a great scene where they're putting uh, Mason away in the car and they do this zoom out shot. And there's this really yeah. cool shot to me where it's the it's the cop cars and Mason's being put in and Mitch is walking away with Kay and Hobie and the lighting, the music, the framing of it. It was all really reminiscent of like the way a movie would shoot the ending of it. And it had big Blade Runner vibes to me specifically of the kind of the color scheme of it with the way that they did the zoom out. Uh, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, and I was like, they put far too much budget into this random episode, into this season, really. Because uh, we had this episode and the one we did with Helen where it was all like, what if we made a really high-budget, like, softcore erotica for television, so there's no erotica <laughs> in it. Just soft. <laughs> Just soft. <laughs> um, like, it, weird, like, high-budget shots that they do uh, that have no place being in the rest of the episodes that they're in. And this is that shot for the episode that I thought was really cool. Uh, also, because, like, everything after this shot is so different in terms of theme (laughs) composition budget just everything
1: yeah totally
0: totally um
1: but yeah after after this fight scene uh we get the single greatest scene so far in all of baywatch cinema (laughs) all of cinema yes um so it it starts off you know pretty simple um Hobie puts back the picture that Mason stole, and you know Hobie and Mitch and Kay are sitting down for a nice dinner that Mitch cooked <coughs> excuse me
2: <laughs> the cough is really
1: well timed <laughs> maybe I'll leave it in. We'll see yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so Hobie says. Just one of the greatest lines I've ever heard, uh, which is, Dad, you really kicked off the jams on this dinner.
0: (laughs) I don't I don't remember even in the 90s when we used to say, you know, kick out the jam. I don't ever think anyone's ever said you kicked out the jam on this dinner before. I think this may be the only time someone used this. Wait, is that a real saying? What? Kicked out the jam? I've literally never heard this before. Yeah, I remember remember this. Jamie, do you remember this phrase at all?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's familiar. I don't think I ever said it.
0: Huh. Yeah, but it's like a 90s thing. It's still funny. It's really funny because no one has ever said, you really kicked out the jams on this dinner, but kick out the jam, yeah.
2: But maybe it's kind of like in character for Hobie because he's like a kid who's like kind of young and is like trying to use cool slang that he hears, but like doesn't actually know how to use it.
0: Here we look <laughs> Morgan, let me help you out here. Okay. Take a look at this link. Oh, it's kick out the jams. Yeah.
1: Huh? To eliminate any hangups or problems in your life by cutting loose and getting wild. Yeah. I've literally never heard this before. Um, so when Hobie said it, I started laughing because it was hysterical to me. Um, I like also in the, in
0: this in this Urban Dictionary uh, page the the thing under it is their word of the day, <laughs> which today's word of the day is "wawa <laughs> <for> Yes. <us>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. Um. And then. Then this scene becomes a fucking cinematic (laughs) masterpiece, uh, which is that they are about to start eating when our favorite, our favorite background recurring actor in this episode comes back, Buzz Belmondo and says, hey, you can't eat my chicken marsala without the sauce. (laughs) <laughs> and it turns out it turns out that his name is Vito and he has cooked this meal. Yes. And then he just generally does a really over the top bad Italian chef impression and then
0: says. No, 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 no. Before you before you before you do that line, we need to do yes. the, the second because that's the best line. The second best the, line. the business card. Yeah. Before that part. OK. A asks, who is this guy? And he says. I'm a no guy. I'm a veto. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you like a different, like, race of people? Like, what I, are you?
1: I cannot express how much as soon as he started talking, I was scream laughing alone <laughs> in my condo. Just tears pouring down my face. The absolute Funniest thing I have ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> but after, after he says that I am a, not a person, I am a Vito. Um, he pulls out a business card and hands it to Kay and says the line, You need to Edo. <laughs> Call a Vito. <laughs> the chocolate moose, the cheesecake will be ready soon. And then runs off. And it's... <laughs> Folks, it's the funniest thing I've seen in my entire life. It took me, the episode ends with this, and it took me a solid five minutes to be able to catch my breath after this scene. It was so fucking funny.
0: Oh, my God. I feel like uh, Jamie, maybe you didn't share the same opinion.
2: No, I, I, it was, it was so much. It was such like a tonal shift. <laughs>
0: like, yeah,
2: I was like, what's happening? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, like when Mitch was like, oh, I made this dinner and I have dessert coming. I was like, what's the twist here? And I was, yeah. not expecting this, but uh, no, it was amazing. And <laughs> the slogan "Need to eat? Call Vito." is Wow! It's inspired,
0: as Mitch says, it's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Where is he cooking this? You stuff, need Dino way? Way? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I think Vito is just cooking like in the back of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, where did come from? From, from, from truck to phone? table.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the best thing. He fucking out of nowhere runs into the house holding a saucepan and a spoon and starts pouring sauce on their chicken marsala saying, you can't eat my chicken marsala without the sauce. I like to think
0: that Vito is the same guy in universe as the guy who sold the bikinis. Oh, shit. So he just does everything out of his car. Yeah. And... My hope is we just get more and more random, like, characters that he plays. I know there's not going to be any payoff to that, but what if there was a payoff and eventually they found out that there's a recurring theme that he's just this grand con man uh, yeah. disturbing the citizens of Malibu? That would be amazing.
2: What was what was his uh, sob story in the first one that he was, like, trying to, like, buy medicine for his sick wife or something like that? If something he was trying yeah, to something like that. Yeah, at the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, I thought he was just horny. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it can be both. <laughs> my soft is I am so a horny.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm a selling this Italian food to get medicine for my horniness.
0: <laughs> Hulk, if you're a horny. <laughs> It's truly just a Tin Robinson, I think you should leave sketch all over again.
1: Oh, fuck. I do, like, genuinely, if every single episode of Baywatch ended with Buzz Belmonte breaking in to Mitch's house dressed in a different Italian outfit and yelling about food. I would love this show. It would be the best show that had ever aired on
0: television. So, of course, we need to get Luigi Primo, the only man who sounds exactly like Vito, the only man with this weird accent that I just can't place this accent. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. very, um, very unique. Uh, Never been, never been imitated before. Uh, but they sound exactly alike, and maybe he can make it a pizza or, or you know make a chicken masala. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he's a Luigi a primo, uh, and <laughs> when you need to eat oh, a pizza oh you call oh, a Luigi a primo. Am I doing this right?
1: <laughs> as as the resident Italian on this podcast, I'm going to say yes. Nice. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Um, It's amazing. And I loved it. Um.
0: (laughs) I guess that brings us, yeah, to ratings time. So uh, a one is ruining your food so bad that the smoke alarm goes off and a 10 is getting your boy toy David Hasselhoff talked about Wuthering Heights. And I guess for Luigi, uh, not Luigi Primo, for Vito to come in and make you a Nito. I guess first, Jamie, let's start off with you. What was your rating?
2: hmm I I really enjoyed the plot. everything was like really solid with the with the tense like storyline uh scary guy. why did I just forget his name
0: Mason Mason
2: <laughs> Mason thank you um <laughs> the, there were you know like there were some low points like with the with the surfing montage um but overall I don't know yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine. I give it a number out of ten,
0: is that acceptable? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can give it a letter out of ten. <laughs> you can give the, it a uh... Sonic the Hedgehog's the movie scene out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> and what what to you, what is a what is a nine?
2: I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like it was, yeah, it was just like a good episode. It had a solid plot and it yeah. was, you know, enjoyable to watch. And compared to the last episode, it was <laughs> <laughs> Leagues better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm glad we were able to get you on for a, a good episode. Yes. I mean there <laughs> were things
2: I really liked about the last episode of this one I like this felt like an actual yeah. well rounded episode of television.
0: Felt like a TV episode. An actual TV episode. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh so Michael, I would I would love to hear what your rating is.
0: Uh so I am going to give it an actual 10 giving it a 10. Uh, this is my favorite episode of Baywatch so far. Uh, I loved it. I had a lot of fun with it. I think it had benefits of actual storytelling with and enhance or advancement of the character throughout the episode with Mitch slowly going crazy uh, and was losing himself a well done villain with good acting who is smart and um doesn't just do stupid shit uh and has a motive uh, i like the music so that made up for me that the scene of all of them uh doing the goose step while on the surfboards uh was nonsensical at least the music was good and i appreciate that <laughs> um and I also, I think I was like busy doing something else during those scenes. So I probably just wasn't paying attention. I was <laughs> maybe like playing solitaire or something. I don't know. Um, I, I I really like this episode. I I think that for me, all episodes of Baywatch should be like this episode. Uh, this is exactly what I want from Baywatch down to the wire. Exactly what I want. And so for me... It's a ten, which is getting your boy toy David Hasselhoff to talk to you about Wuthering Heights. Shockingly, <laughs> there were no Wuthering Heights references in this episode. But uh if there were, I mean it only would have made it an eleven. So yeah, this is uh my favorite episode of Baywatch.
1: Yeah, I so I think for most of this episode, I was pretty squarely at about a seven. Like it was <laughs> I was enjoying it. It was a good episode. You know, I was having fun with it. It wasn't actively more racist or sexist than a normal episode of Baywatch. Um, and, you know, it was it was perfectly fun and I would have been totally happy watching it. And then Vito showed up. <laughs> folks, folks. I can't I can't stress to you how. How. Hard, I fucking laugh. And Vito <laughs> showed up. This episode... I, I jokingly on our April Fool's episode... Rated that episode as an 11. Despite the fact that it is actually deserving of about a 1. Oh, it um, was maybe like a 0. Yeah. This episode is a fucking 11. <laughs> yes! This episode is amazing. Yes! I fucking love it. I want to watch the ending scene on repeat... Every day for the rest of my life, I want nothing more than to be able to call a Vito next time I need to (laughs) eat. This episode, for the last scene alone, like if the rest of the episode had been shit, I, I might be a little bit harsher on it. But the fact that this was a perfectly good episode of Baywatch until the final scene that was a goddamn comedic masterpiece. This episode is an eleven, and an eleven is the experience
0: of hiring Avito to come cook you dinner. Wow! So I guess Morgan, that means this is your favorite episode of Baywatch. Oh, without question. Like there, there is nothing else even in this league, in my opinion. So I guess that. I, uh, begs the question, Jamie. Uh, what episode of television have you ever seen that's better than this?
2: <laughs> oh wow! Okay.
0: Hmm. I'll Be honest.
2: Yeah, I know. That's, that's
0: you're you're with friends who aren't judging you at all.
2: <laughs> I, I can't think of any, so maybe it, there you I, go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. need to up
2: that up that score yeah, to a I, ten. I will succumb to peer pressure and I'll give it a ten. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> A perfect episode
0: of Baywatch. Yeah. Um, now give me one moment here because I would like to read to you some of the reviews people gave this episode.
2: Ooh, okay. sure. on
0: IMDb. Um So, I mean, we have been, you know, kind of telling you the same person reviews each time, uh, which isn't always, you know, as fun. Um, so I would like to read to you two different reviewers this time. I'll do, We'll tell you, Crad gave it a five. Um, but first we have bombers fly up, uh, who gave it a <laughs> one out of 10. Um, wow. We who said Shang song wins. Carrie, her Yoki take good, but this is just such cringe. Mitch is so sorry. Mitch. So gullible again. Shawnee's lesson turns into old guy reminiscing about surfing. Jeez. Um, And then here's this other review by Hortense French, um, (laughs) which is a six out of ten, who says, Best bits. Opening scene was great. A good montage with a chill track. Sees Mitch and Hope. He just says Hope. Walk the beach (laughs) for fun times. Hilarious shots with just the head of Japanese, I guess. Drug loss loitering by the rocks, too. Laughs had by all. Another hilarious moment was in the restaurant where Mitch and Fam are stalked by him. That was that funny. Um, yeah. Ask girlfriend Hope if food has arrived. It clearly has, hasn't? As there was nothing on the table. Lol. Um, the old school lifeguard wooden wooden surfboard throwback scene in particular worked. What? It was set up with a full five second zoom into one of the characters' faces. I would go as far as saying the best montage of the show to date. The track made by the music department was exceptional. I would download on Spotify if it wasn't stock music. Um, Horror scene moment. Mitch's Bay hyper aware when left alone with Hobe, cuts apple and adds cube cheese <laughs> from, a, <laughs> from a bag to a plate while notice every little wind whisper and fire crackle. Subsequently, predictable moment while she looks away as turning a corner and clever position camera result, results in shock reveal of drug lord and hostage takeover moment. <laughs> when you say it like that, <laughs> excellent. Excellent tops off fight scene. What? Mitch takes the samurai triple roundhouser into the water where he has the advantage while Garner rescues and holds gun awkwardly. Is there nothing Mitch Buchanan can't do? Just a note. Never find out if Shawnee learns to surf. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean. When they say it like that, yeah, maybe the episode doesn't sound as good. But you know, I think I think they're all wrong. I think yeah, I a mean, great episode.
1: They all left out Vito, which is clearly the best
0: part of the episode. I mean, he's the main character of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. God, I wanna I wanna pitch the idea of like um like diners drive-ins and dives, but it's Vito. <laughs> just going
0: to Italian restaurants and What if, and no, no, no. What if it's the the chefs. What if it's just Guy Fieri, but every episode he visits Vito?
1: Yes! Oh my god. I need them to do a YouTube vlog together. <laughs> I think Buzz
0: Mondo has sadly passed, so I don't think that's going to uh, happen. Uh,
2: but what? we
1: could
0: get a, a Vito stand-in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Listen, I would also accept seeing a vlog of luigi primo and guy fieri
0: absolutely well luigi primo's instagram these days is mostly just him making pizza dough with his muscles and going i i exercise by making a pizza i'm like yes you do buddy keep doing that it's hot anyways um we're gonna stop simping over luigi primo here uh, (laughs) for a moment uh, to tell you about what happens on the next episode, Ooh, which Ooh. is called Big Monday, <laughs> uh, and uh, you're gonna hate this. So, oh, great! Uh, our Baywatch Wiki description is: Kay Morgan introduces a deaf girl to sign language. What? Well oh, Mitch, no. con- Well Mitch confronts a terrifying childhood memory, and Hobie a fear of waves. Uh Aww. so our INDB description is the coming of a huge tropical storm brings out a rare form of fear in Mitch. What's a rare <laughs> form of fear? Like Fear <laughs> <laughs> over a bad memory about a big storm that struck Los Angeles when he was seven back in 1961. And. This is wild. And he met a mysterious Hawaiian man who tried to persuade Mitch to overcome his fear. Oh, that's going to be bad. Also, Hobie (laughs) seeks comfort with Shawnee over his fear of surfing the huge waves of the storm to impress his more outgoing friends. Meanwhile, Kay becomes intrigued with a young deaf girl named Lily and her overprotective mother, Sharon, whom Kay tries to introduce them to sign language. Um, I like the idea um, because actually Val had watched that episode and uh, pointed out to me that the central point of this episode is that uh, there's a deaf girl who no one ever bothered to think. What if we try to communicate with this person uh, who's yeah. like at least like eight? And it's like, yeah, we just never, we just pointed. I'm like, well, how have you never bothered to think? Anyways, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts then. Yeah. All three of those plot points sound really bad. Jamie, aren't you glad uh, we brought you back for this one?
2: (laughs) Yes, I was just thinking that uh, uh, that sounds like a, you know, like a very special episode of Baywatch or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is what we go through every week on this this season, Mm -hmm. it feels like. Uh, We've had our string of good episodes here. Uh, You know, we had our graduation where... I went back and watched this episode because, uh, as we discussed in the episode, the Amazon Prime version cuts out all of David Hasselhoff singing and yeah. the random part where uh, he hugs a woman and she moans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very weird. It's ooh, it's very upsetting. I, w- I wasn't confident. I was like, Mor- Morgan's like exaggerating this. And I watched it. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. She up, like, <laughs> moans the moment he hugs yeah. her. And then he's just like, I'm into this. And then he sings yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Arbor Shop. And it's like, what? Um, and then we had our erotic thriller episode. Uh, we watched Helen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just, it was pretty good. All around maybe a little bit too sexy for Baywatch. Uh, and then we had this Rural. one. Row, uh, <laughs> uh, This one, which is just the perfect episode of television. So, of course, mm-hmm. we used up... All of our, you know, good faith here. We use up all of our brownie points. Uh, and so they're like, well, now you get this piece of shit. So uh, <laughs> it's really the curse the curse of watching this show. Yeah, it's true.
2: You need the low points to make the high points seem higher.
0: Right? All, all of this show is a low. Whoa, I can't <laughs> say that. I love this show. That's my character. No, I do actually love this show. Yeah. Is that character or is that me? Who knows? Uh, I do actually love this show. It's just that watching this show is also a low point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that about brings us to the end of this here podcast episode. Uh, Jamie, I want to say thank you so much for coming back on. After the previous episode, we made you sit through. Yeah, why? Glad you wanted to come back on, and I'm glad we could give you a better episode this time
2: around. I I picked the first one, so that's on me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, wisely. But thank you so much for having me back. I I really enjoyed uh, being on the podcast again and watching this episode. We'll make make
0: sure your third one is also good. Okay. Mm Okay.
2: Um, before we get into
1: the outro real quick, I just want to plug, I mentioned it earlier in the episode, uh, but I was, uh, lucky enough to be invited on to a friend's podcast called Yet Another Hobby, uh, to talk to them about the movie Branded from 2012, which, uh, if you like bad movies holy shit is this a good one it's got max von Sydow just being the hammiest motherfucker you've ever seen and they very clearly had exactly one day with him um <laughs> and oh man definitely worth watching um but yeah if you want to check them out it's at yetanotherhobby.com the episode's not quite out yet but it'll be out i don't know sometime soon ish we'll see um but other than that, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrap.
0: I am at Snot Snit, S-N-O-T, S-N-I-T, a.k.a. Unfortunately, due to me taking this podcast too seriously, am I am I'm, I'm the guy who shits. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, which is, as I mentioned to Morgan, very awkward when bands respond to me on Twitter and they're talking to a guy who's named I'm the guy who shits. Uh,
1: now, in fairness, I am also named Jorts Clooney after this show.
0: So, <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> equally as bad. Uh, as shitting. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Jamie, would you like to promote anything?
2: i will just promote um my family members uh episodes of this show
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's easy. always to find. a good plug yeah. um but yeah we'll uh we'll see you next week and just remember if you wanna eat, call a Fuck. <laughs> and fingertips.